moments will be lost in time. Like tears. Mike! No, I don't want to. You should have been born a girl, then we could call you Michelle. I can't be a girl, I have a big old fluffy perm beard. He does have a big beard. He does have a big fluffy perm beard. Man, that... Oliver Reed's voice in this just gets... That just gets all the credit for me. Oliver Reed's voice in everything gets all the credit in everything. Like, it's just the the masculine whispering. I like that description. Yeah, well, it's what it is. Yeah, God. So this week, I I am not sorry. <clears throat> yeah, you shouldn't be. This is a great choice. This is a lovely uh, palate cleanser after <laughs> whatever happened. It it is so a three sixty. I told you every single time I pick something after you, I feel like a dickhead because I'm just like, oh. I feel fuck. like th- this one is the bigger shift though, like that because this was the only real quality dip I picked. Um, wait. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones. No, you might be right. I think I liked all the other ones. That's yeah, fair. but it's like, it's you You notice that we're talking about a film again. Yeah, you're gonna wear Mr. Boogity for a while, so <laughs> get used to us questioning all your decisions. Uh, so my Canadian fetish kind of struck again, and I picked The Brood, uh, which is a 1979 Canadian kind of body horror, psychological, science fiction, all that other Johnny shit by um, David Cronenberg. And it's about a guy who is a psychotherapist and another guy whose wife is kind of a part of his little cult and she has some fucked up shit going on with her and every time she gets angry, little children are born. That's the only way I can describe. I described that to so many people in college too. And they were just like, "What the fuck do you even watch?" Like, yeah. My my only thing is that like I almost wouldn't even call them children because they're more like little like gremlins. They're yeah, they're gremlins. like uh, dwarfs, kind of. <laughs> or uh, sorry, little 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 person. Yeah, maybe if they had like gummy beaks and flesh sacks that worked as gasoline engines for them, but that sounds. Dope. What, like the physiology of the little creatures? I thought they were really cool. Like, they were cool. Like, they hit really hard. I feel like you shouldn't have... They shouldn't have had that much strength to actually kill those people, but they did. Like, they mm. had, like, little toy hammers, for God's sakes. What do you do with that? Well, I, I think they worked so well because of that one scene in the morgue where you literally had a doctor, like, explaining their physiology to <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, I was gonna say, that, that seems great because... Uh, first of all, it's shot fantastic, right? Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's great because up until then, generally, like, you don't see these, the brood, the people, the brood members. Um, so they just look like little kids in snowsuits, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, maybe with a cleft lip, yeah, but yeah. that's you all. You get sort of like a glimpse of their, their face after uh, Frank kills the first one or or it just dies or whatever. Uh, and then once it's, like, thoroughly explained how fucked up these little things are, it becomes even more creepy. And then that's when we start getting, like, full-ass views of these terrifying little things. But yeah, the, uh, the autopsy scene is fantastic. I love that the yeah. morgue attendant, he, uh, he was very, very excited that, uh, <laughs> that they don't have belly buttons. <laughs> what did he say? He yeah. was like, it was, uh, he called it... Not stimulating, but he called it something very, uh, it was an odd choice of words. Cause it, was, it, was, it was like stimulating. Yeah. It was very close to that. Because I was like, he better not be talking about his genitals. <laughs> he was talking about <laughs> the no belly button. And I was like, well, that's a little too close still. So, yeah. Oh, I, li- I like how they said like the, uh, the fleshy gas tank being like a yoke. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is like, it just evoked 
the the physical form of it so well. Mm-hmm. Like, like really, really subtle, um, and like provocative. Hey, is provocative the word he used? Might have been provocative. <laughs> like, I wrote down provocative <laughs> in my notes been. here, so that could probably because he said it. I think he said that the no belly button was provocative, so that works out well. That you're a creep, just like this <laughs> more guy. Um, so what made you pick the brood for us, Incha? I well, first I love David Cronenberg. He's like one of my top five favorite filmmakers and everybody's like this was one of his favorite films and i'm like it isn't but i can see your point and i also love the psychological kind of basis to it especially with um the mom oh my god what was her name um nola i just like that like i just i love that I'm angry at everyone, so I'm going to manifest these little things from my body and kill everything that makes me mad. I'm just like, I think that's what a lot of people would like to do, but not in the way of having like an egg sac come out of their stomach and then like all the other (laughs) stuff. Like, and I love just the body horror of it. Like one of my favorite things is body horror and that's never gonna land me anything well, that, that <laughs> explains why you like because that's kind of his like, like anything to have to deal with like physical like just physical like fuck-ups of like the face and the body and all the other stuff i'm just like yes please give me more and i think it this movie really does a great it, it kind of sheds like a women a woman's perspective of a great example of that and it's just so good and I also just feel bad for the little girl. That's why I picked it, too. I'm just like, this little girl deserves more credit than she's deserved because she's fucking scarred for life. I felt bad for all of the children that were used in the film when the teacher is killed in that classroom. Because I, I thought originally when so when the, the teacher's there oh and the kids, the uh, the brood shows up and they're a bunch of just normal kids like doing their teacher stuff. And then the brood comes in, and she's like, the teacher sees them and is like, oh, what's yeah. going on? And then they pick up these toy mallets and beat her to death. I thought it was going to cut to, like, a really close-up or shot in a way that, like, yeah. the kids weren't there. But it he kept, no, just a wide shot of these children. And then these two other, um, I don't know, I assume little person actors <laughs> jumping on yeah. a screaming lady and pretending to beat her to death while children watch. I was like, that's pretty hardcore, Cronenberg. That's those <laughs> 70s, 70s labor laws. Whatever. You know who I liked in that scene? Uh, the little hero boy who, like, ran out to get some help. Yeah! The unsung hero. It's like he, like, everyone else is, like, stunned silent, and he's like, fuck this, I'm getting some, I'm getting adult. Because that, that would have been you, Billy. Hell, he would have been, you would have been the hero who ran out of the room. <laughs> no, I would have run out of the room and, like, into the washroom and into a stall where I'm, like, tucked up in the corner there. <laughs> just ran outside and back home you didn't have to corner yourself in a bathroom stall i live so far away from the school my yeah. mom, i'm gonna get home yeah. it's winter just let the brood kill you yeah. <laughs> it's easier fair. what am i gonna walk no kill me <laughs> mallet my face in come on so it's so we talked about so it's a couple going through a bad divorce lady had a sort of weird parapsychosis uh psychoplasmosis is what yeah. that's what they call the therapy that oliver reed's character is performing on these people right. and uh which i'm not quite sure like it's it's not related to the body horror or what's happening is yeah, it it's just yeah, like because yeah. what what is it other than like essentially performing one act plays it isn't that's the <laughs> visualization to us of it but what he what he what is happening is um he's making them relive or work through their trauma and it yeah, has yeah. either a side effect or the intended purpose. It didn't really seem like the intended purpose, even though psychoplasmosis or whatever definitely makes it sound like it's the intended purpose. Yeah. But it makes uh them sick, like it, it it manifests their trauma, like that Mike guy with the beard at the beginning. He had all those welts mm-hmm. on his body, right? And that right. that one guy had uh, um, some sort of a cancer. Oh. The guy that uh, the husband went to talk to, who was working mm-hmm. it. So it, it it definitely manifested a sort of body horror. Yeah, like there in one shot when I think he was he was on the phone or he was talking to somebody. There was. 
um, a poster of his book in the background, like the shape of rage or whatever. And it has like the five mm. stages and you see a mouth and each, and like, as you go through the five stages, like the mouth opens up and then like something comes out and that's right. supposed to be that too. Like whatever's inside of your body will physically come out. Right. I get it. So it's sort of like expelling your trauma physically instead of purely Ex- mentally. Exactly. Right. And the, the brood is a manifestation of that, except she sort of harnessed it kind of accidentally, kind of on purpose to yeah. kill the people who traumatized her. <laughs> well, that's, um, I mean, that's kind of like where the best body horror comes from is, is when it's making physical the mental trauma. Like, you know, you never get good body horror that's just something fucked up to do with a body. Well, I think... It needs that mental yeah. component to succeed. And I think that that's why Cronenberg is obviously, uh, if not the originator of it, the master of it. Like, anyone who attempts body horror who isn't Cronenberg generally can't reach that level because, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could... Every single movie in which he uses body horror, it's a metaphor for emotions, <laughs> mental trauma, stuff like that. Like in... Um, What's the one with the, is it Shivers or Rabid? Rabid, right? Where people go nuts in the apartment building? or yep, the it's Rabid. <laughs> yeah, it's all very like hedonistic and sexual and whatever. And that's like his first one that's basically, it's a lady's armpit that turns into a vagina penis, right? So it's very, it manifested that way. And I mean, the fly, right? Like, it's all very, mm-hmm. um, whereas other people just, I think, want to get the, grossness out (laughs) instead of actually (laughs) dealing Mm -hmm. with the why of it and the stuff that makes it like very few other um filmmakers going to the fly very few other filmmakers could remove jeff goldblum from like the climax of the film and still make us give a shit you know yeah in the at the end i think few filmmakers could remove jeff goldblum from jeff goldblum so effectively exactly right (laughs) jeff goldblum Incha, I'm interested in how you said this movie was really good from a women's perspective, because when I watched it, the sense I got was, like, overwhelmingly masculine. Yeah, actually, you're right. I was gonna say, uh, I wanted to circle back to that, because I was very surprised you said that, because this seems very much, I mean, I assume we've all found out that David Cronenberg was going through a very messy divorce and child custody battle Yeah, <laughs> during yeah. this. And so this is this is really him writing out his pain yeah. and his like demonization it almost feels like. I I will say I do well I'll get inches perspective. No, 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 keep going, a, keep going, keep going, keep <laughs> going. Cuz there is a part of it as much as like um like I've seen most or now maybe all of Cronenberg's movies except for this one because I heard it was sort of about that. Um, mm-hmm. and that it was pretty intense. So I was like, I don't know. Like, all of his movies can be kind of emotionally draining, but it just seemed a little more intense than I... Like, a couple of years ago, I did a Cronenberg Marathon for Canada Day. So, But I skipped right <laughs> past this one. Um, so I'm glad I finally watched it, because it was a lot more uh, fun and enjoyable and a little less heavy than I, than I thought it was going to be. Um, but It's still pretty bleak. It's very bleak, yes, 100%. But, uh, but I think maybe knowing going into it the backstory and what was going on with Cronenberg kind of colored it a bit for me because I will say um they definitely don't hide the fact that uh what's her name Nola mm-hmm. right that uh she was she was abused and traumatized as a kid like it's not just her doing this maliciously mm-hmm. it is her she's she's a victim as well like, and she's very much a victim up front. Like, they don't hide that fact. So it is a bit, uh, it does kind of, I don't know what I'm saying. It, it, does, <laughs> it does sort of see it from her perspective slightly. I mean, there's definitely dated 70s terms. Like, when he's like, I think she just married me so uh, her so I could dilute some of her crazy or whatever. But um, it it does sort of sympathize with her sort of more than I expected. But then it also ends with the uh, husband strangling his ex-wife to death. So I don't know. 
that kind of balances it the other way. But but why do you think it's um it it has a feminine perspective? Okay, so like the thing that I've noticed with all of David Cronenberg's movies is that it gives the female it kind of gives a female perspective so much. Like he'll 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 tell it from a male perspective, and then all of a sudden he'll be like, well. This is also what a woman thinks because like if you have have either one of you ever seen Dead Ringers? Yeah. Okay, so with Dead Ringers, like you get it from those two like male gynecologist perspectives, but mm-hmm. you're kind of following like in the way you're following also the story of a woman with a mutilated vagina. Like you like it's kind of in like an outsider's in perspective, like when you look at this movie, it's kind of like how might a woman kind of physically manifest her rage over her child getting taken away and like her getting through a divorce and like all of this stuff like yes this is all coded like with male stuff because the husband the psychiatrist Ew. wait hold on pause for a second you just said coded with male stuff which yeah. is <laughs> but uh continue sorry <laughs> now i don't know what i'm saying Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, like it's it's all there, and like, but you also kind of see how all the men in her life, and even like the men in the lives, like the men in the lives of the women in Cronen- David Cronenberg's movies, kind of they take over a woman's life, right. if that mm-hmm. makes any sense, because the psychiatrist basically hold her into like hold Nola into a place and was just like you're crazy, we're gonna figure this out, you can't go anywhere. And then they also did that with the little girl, and being like, mm-hmm. uh, you need to stay here, and if you get taken away, mom's gonna kill you. Yeah. What's up? And yeah. it's kind of, and like, it sucks, but it sets us, like, but I, I, like, watching this and watching most of his movies, I kind of see it more from... Even though male protagonists are there, I kind of see it in a way of the women's stories are the most important ones because they have they go through the most damage in the his stories. Yeah, I, I get that. I think because I I think a lot of his uh, male protagonists are pathetic, actually. Right, so yeah. it's like, um, and I think a thing that Cronenberg does that makes him better than a lot of uh, directors or artists male directors or artists is the fact that even though he can't help having you know that that male point of view the women who are in his films are women they're not objects in a way like they're not just uh, they're not put on a pedestal or Mm -hmm. like treated like shit they're they're women who like can be messy give birth like he's not afraid to like being human is disgusting. Being an animal is disgusting. Mm-hmm. We all we're all disgusting <laughs> creatures, and he doesn't shy away from that when it comes to women, which I think a lot of people, a lot a lot of artists might do, right? Where yeah. they're sort of the perfect Madonna, and uh, and and, then... uh, and they're not. Sometimes they're Courtney Love. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. That's one thing that was like that's really interesting in like how you said like his women aren't afraid to be messy like I had to I used to have like I had to write a paper about Videodrome when I was in college and everybody was just like oh Debbie Harry's character was like a whore and I was just like no she's just messed up and I think that's fine (laughs) like (laughs) yeah I think when it comes to uh um uh, sex and violence uh from or against women in Cronenberg movies, he comes at it from a place that is he on the same level. With yeah, them. yeah, exactly. Like he's he kind of like, I get it. Like if yeah. these are your desires, if these are your wants, if these are your needs, I get it. But uh, there's a dark side to this, and I think you should know about it. Yeah, he's not yeah. exploitative. He's not doing because he's not like, well, we all want to see Debbie Harry get naked and get burned with a cigarette. <laughs> He does it from a character perspective, and I think that's why, even though he falls into a lot of the other traps of, like, straight white male director, mm-hmm. it, it does sort of ease the load, ease the blow? I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. He, uh, <laughs> he's, he's definitely better, right? so I get that, um, for sure. 
I like the saying, ease the load. Share the load. <laughs> Share the load. I couldn't carry the potatoes. <laughs> that hobbit loved his potatoes. <laughs> Man, imagine if Cronenberg did a, the Hobbit movies. Oh, God. No. I won't. Would have been messed up, man. I won't do that, I Michael. Would have been messed up. Imagine if he did any of the movies he was like, was it him or David Lynch that were going to do Return of the Jedi? What? Oh, I think Together. it was Cronenberg was supposed to do Return of the Jedi. I don't want to see Cronenberg's Ewoks. Well, we did see Cronenberg's Ewoks. They were in The Brood. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we could have had that. <laughs> Although I would have loved to see... Oliver Reed as uh, Jabba the Hutt. Uh. <laughs> Man, I love Oliver Reed so much. He's such a good actor. I used to... He's he's very commanding in every scene he's in yeah. here. He's so good, because I used to only know him generally from, like, his older person. Not older in time, but him being an older man uh, role. Yeah. Um, And then when I started watching more Hammer Horror movies, he's like... A young man acted in these dope horror movies, and he's really, really good. And I, I didn't even know he was in this movie until I turned it on. And I was so excited when his name popped up. <laughs> and also, apparently, he got arrested when they were filming this because um, he bet somebody at a bar that he could walk from one bar to another completely butt-ass naked in the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he got arrested for that, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Yep. Understandable. He's also, he's a great presence as the, the psychologist or the psychoplasmologist or whatever he calls himself, <laughs> mm -hmm. because he doesn't, when, he, when he's transitioning to, um, to the, the voices of trauma when he's talking to the patients and they're, they're yeah. confronting their daughter or their mother or father or whatever, he doesn't really do an impression of a voice. Like, he knows he's Oliver Reed, his voice is good enough that you buy into it but it's all sort of <laughs> but yet he he is the archetype in that like it's it's actually a very awesome role for an actor to get because you are like as your character you are performing different characters throughout the film. exactly mm -hmm. and he does it yeah. like he's like he's playing an actor more than he's playing a therapist yeah and he gets to do it so subtly too like it's it must have been really really fun for him to just do mm -hmm. that because most of his scenes uh, are either that or he's just chilling in a bathrobe. So <laughs> it must have been a great role for him. So going from Oliver Reed to another great actor in the film, uh, the actress who plays the daughter, Candy. Um, <laughs> so cold and just expressionless throughout the entire movie. And like, I'm honestly, I'm willing to give it a pass because it was the 1970s. You're a child actor. All right, just be here for the scenes. It's what you need to do. But in that final showdown where she's, like, holding back the door yeah. from all of, like, the brood bursting it down trying to get her and the way she's crying. Like, I, I think that actress probably needs some therapy after yeah. that because, like, she was legitimately, like, red and bawling and just completely gone in that scene. Yeah, I felt bad for her. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah. interesting because a lot of, like you said about her um, being kind of stone-faced and expressionless and... I, uh, which I'm sure was just the fact that she was just a young girl, um, worked kind of in the movie's favor because I think a large part of it was maybe Cronenberg's fears of how his divorce and custody battle affected his kid, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think the kid being very um, somber sort of works in that favor. But on the other hand, it's also interesting that he's he seems to be channeling his fears about fucking up his own kid into this by fucking up a kid. By fucking up a child. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad for her. Uh, yeah, like... Like, the, like, like, I'm wa like, I'm watching it on one hand, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a great performance they're getting out of her. But then as I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's because they just terrified that child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, that was the 70s, man. Yeah, gotta do what you gotta do for a paycheck. A child's paycheck because the parents probably spent that like gold um i don't know i felt like I, I i love that little girl so much in the movie just because of the fact that like i think like the dad didn't want 
her to turn out like her mom, didn't want her to get abused by her mom, but then at the end of the day, she's going to be just like her mom. And I'm just like, God yeah. damn it. Like the ending shot of her with the stuff on her arm, I'm like, just cut it off. Can you cut it off? <laughs> <laughs> it is It is a gut punch of an ending because it's like, even though the movie... uh it is kind of set up sort of like a traditional horror movie, sort of much more traditional than a normal Cronenberg movie, maybe, until the very end, then everything goes batshit, right? Yeah. But it's sort of a, um, even though, you know, the girl's terrorized, the doctor's killed, uh, the husband has to strangle his estranged wife to death, it is sort of a triumphant ending, and then that final shot of, like, the gross on her arm is like, oh yeah, this whole movie is about, like, the cycle of abuse and trauma afflicted yeah. on children. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did like how it was almost a little bit ambiguous because when I'm watching it, the first thing I thought before it started really zooming in on those bumps, I thought those were just teardrops on her arm. Um, and they, they aren't large enough to really be definitive, so I think it could be viewed. Well, no, they're no. not teardrops, though, <laughs> No. Really. They kind of... They they're kind not. Of. No. I'm saying that's how I personally interpreted it maybe it's a little bit ice cream they stopped and got ice cream and they're all happy eating ice cream but she's a little sloppy maybe that happened billy i want to give her hope she has right? no hope. She you, has hope did you see what she had to go through during the whole thing it is very much about the cycle of abuse and like they they talk earlier about how like even five-year-old girls could have ulcers because they're keeping all of that in yeah. and this this movie is very um like it it, it sets things up very well because you don't actually go into like the mother creating the brood until very late into the film but you have little references like the psychiatrist referring to her as his queen bee mm -hmm. and even like the one man like getting cancer with growths on him so there's a, there's always little ideas being thrown up in the air throughout the film yeah well i guess that's it goodbye <laughs> <laughs> Um, the dad, though, I, I was really on the fence about him, especially if he was supposed to be there as a Cronenberg avatar throughout the film, because he, like, for, okay, why did he think it was okay to leave his daughter with the abusive grandmother? Uh, like, he, he knows his wife has problems because of the abuse she faced, right? Does he know that? I mean, he probably does, because... They were married, so she probably had to tell him at least something. But I don't yeah. think that I don't think that he looked at it in a perspective of like, oh, she technically fucked up my wife. I think he was looking at it in a perspective of this is family. And yeah, since I sorry, that's still really I know, but wrong, but I know like though. like you like wouldn't he, leave like your that, kid. That, that, that's a fault that he's thinking of it that yeah, way. Yeah, like but I think that but like I. And oh god, yeah, and the fact that she was like sipping whiskey that yeah. that moment too, mm -hmm. yeah, no. But I will say, I mean, I don't. Well, I, that's the seventies. I, I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily consider that um, like a huge strike against him. I think it's more a strike against other sort of social norms because that shit happens in real life. Like people have to, or feel like they're obligated to bring the grandchildren over to visit grandparents who like fucked up parents lives you know what i mean like that yeah. mm -hmm. happens and i don't think maybe he would have thought about it like that and i think he's kind of like I, I agree with michael i think he's kind of like i think he just looked at it in the perspective of this is family and she's not here and i know they want to see their grandchild and it's not that big of a deal like as long as like she's not like See, that's that's the issue. Like, I, don't, I don't know if it's a fault. Like, I, I get what you're saying, and I get that that's how the film treated it. I'm just saying, like, that it was either a fault that you're giving your character, or it's a fault that I fault Cronenberg with for how he viewed that whole situation. I think that's a societal fault. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a thing you can mark against either of the characters. Like, clearly, best case scenario, he would be 100% woke and know to, like, cut out these toxic influences but like you think so if you think he he showed up and the little girl had like scratches on her from the grandmother he wouldn't like never let her see her again billy i think the 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 proof that the grandmother might do that is already there 
But what I'm saying is I feel like that shit happens in real life. Like lots of people, she didn't seem like she was the kind of grandmother who hurt her grandkids. She definitely fucked up the mother. Like she fucked up her own child, but it didn't seem like she had any ill will towards her granddaughter. So I could see why he would think like, this is an okay environment for now. Mm -hmm. But if anything happened, I feel like he would be, 100% 100% like no screw you you'll never see this kid again yeah I also think like the movie kind of plays with a little bit of like she said they said because it's like Nola says Nola says a lot of stuff about like her family and how like she wasn't protected and stuff like that but then you get the mother's perspective of like yeah everything was fine I don't know what the she's talking about and like even the dad kind of like like they're they're they were still like okay with each other so it was kind of like it's i it's called it's complicated and i think it is a situation i think it's honest in the fact that it is a complicated situation like he he definitely the father definitely had faults for sure like i think he Mm -hmm. one of his biggest ones is the fact that he mostly just seemed to think Nola was crazy mm-hmm. and didn't really yeah. think about any yeah. of the inciting incidents or, or what. And and I think that that's really what I am, I, I'm faulting or that's what I'm picking up on. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think that's... It's, it's like, especially like, like you said earlier when it's like, oh, she married me for my sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that stood out to me as a pretty brutal uh, thing to say, but I also, I just think that that makes the character a little more real and a little more... Um, Flawed. Like I, th- I think Frank was a perfectly good protagonist and stand-in for Cronenberg, um, unless he actually wanted to strangle his ex-wife to death. In which case, not cool. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I really love Nola in all this. Like Samantha Egger, I yeah, I absolutely adore her. Like I think she did an amazing job. Her acting style was very interesting. She's. It it, it kind of it had a timeless quality to it, like where it didn't it didn't seem like how you would be acting in a seventies. Yeah, it felt very yeah. like forties. You're right. It felt um yeah like one of those old like uh, like Mildred Pierce or something where yeah, <laughs> which I think I think it worked for her character and her own mental state. Yeah, very and much. Especially so. you know essentially being put in like you know a, <laughs> the theater guild for psychiatry. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was someone who she definitely felt like somebody who, if she felt like she was cracking up, she'd be like, oh, "I'll just go to this drama getaway camp to <laughs> deal with it." She definitely felt like that kind of person. Um, but yeah, she was fantastic. I was shocked. Uh, she filmed all her scenes in four days. Yeah, that's insane. Wow. I mean, makes it's all one yeah, location. Like she didn't have yeah, to yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it makes sense. But it's like she feels so. Uh, she's like such a big presence in the film itself that it, it just surprised me that well even scenes where she's not in it's like she is central to everything in the film mm-hmm. yeah i love her teeth is that weird to say her teeth are fantastic i love her smile in general like when she's laying on the bed and she's like um i don't think i have anything to worry about anymore from like the teacher i'm like she just you were just so charming <laughs> she's great she's very uh intense in an intriguing way <laughs> like she, <laughs> she made me want to watch like a million therapy sessions between her and Alvary. <laughs> i wanted to watch hercules after it i'm like oh i forgot you did the voice of hera you cutie pie oliver reed did the voice of hera <laughs> yes you cutie pie <laughs> <laughs> look at me hercules <laughs> <laughs> that's not a terrible oliver reed that's me. really <laughs> that wasn't bad at all <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> I really like one of my favorite thing about uh, Cronenberg movies, especially in this era, like the 70s, 80s, is um, he he very much re- like basks in how ugly a lot of Canadian architecture <laughs> is. Like, yeah, I was I was I was gonna mention something about how Canadian his his films of this era were. Yeah, like, there's so much. You know where you are. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like stone and wood and ugly carpet and it's it's great like it it feels off (laughs) it feels even though like we see buildings like that every day like when he's visiting the uh when he watches the one of the therapy sessions or whatever 
that building looks yep. like a freaking lecture hall from like Trent or from UT or something <laughs> like an old one. But it's cool to see a director take advantage of that because now these days I'm so used to like Toronto State or Vancouver standing in for like every literally every other city in the entire world no but (laughs) but you literally see like a big sign at one point being like toronto police headquarters yeah it's so cool it's 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 nice to see which apparently that like that was the actual like like building which is apparently i think it was torn down in 2007 or something like that but uh like it's very authentic like all the snow on the ground outside i love you do love your snow have you guys seen the movie enemy yes I don't think so. Very good. Oh, you it's, gotta see it. Yeah, it's fantastic. He, it's, um, is it Denny or Dennis? Denny? Denny Villeneuve? The, Dennis. That, Dennis Villeneuve? Thanks. That so. director who's amazing. He did <laughs> Blade Runner 2049. And yes, and, Dennis. <laughs> uh, he, he is French, so. Don't... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced, yeah. unfortunately. I'm a bad Canadian. I don't know how to pronounce very many French names. Um. <laughs> it's it's kind of his take on a Cronenberg Toronto movie and I think you would like it a lot Billy that is interesting I I probably will check that out you should watch it but anyway when's it when's it from uh 2012 2014 okay 2014 maybe cool uh but he very much takes advantage of Toronto's bleak brutalistic architecture (laughs) and it's uh it's cool and so anyway there's a little little mini Billy recommendation Nice. Or may don't watch it. Maybe we'll do it one of these days. <laughs> Never mind. Cut all this out. <laughs> I love how thick the blood is in this movie. Oh, it's syrupy. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's really syrupy. It's really dark, especially when the teacher gets killed. Yeah, I love that it shot. It's just like sh- you feel like you feel like if you put your finger in it, it just like ooze. Well, when when Frank comes in and like cradles her head to check if she's still alive. I, I like yeah. cringed because I was like, oh, you're going to have to like scrub those hands clean. <laughs> it was like he, he put his fingers yeah. right in like a cherry pie. <laughs> That's Aww. what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could do what his wife did. And you still like, oh. Oh, yeah. So should we talk about that? <laughs> that big reveal? So at the end, when he's confronting her, uh, when Frank is confronting Nola, uh, she reveals that she has. Uh, mentally created a sort of external womb yeah and and asexual reproduction yeah it seemed like mm-hmm. and uh which i think is worth noting in itself considering so many of cronenberg's movies are about sex yep worth noting noted <laughs> well i get it you you can make an argument that um that's how her rage and her trauma manifested is that it, it sort of cuts out that toxic family unit that fucked her up Mm-hmm. Where it's just mm-hmm. her creating offspring and she doesn't have to deal with any sort of the family unit that clearly didn't work for her. Maybe you could make that argument. Yeah. I'm not. You could. I would. I thank you for get, for making my I argument. wouldn't put my fingerprints on that jumbled mess <laughs> of ideas, but you go for it. So then she bites through the placenta and uh, licks her baby clean like a cat. And it is disgusting. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she really, Samantha Eggers, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she really goes all in on that. She's, like, she well, sells uh, Apparently it. the, the second, like, like, there is, like, a censored cut of the film where, like, it shows her biting it open, but it doesn't show any of the, like, the licking afterwards. And it really upset Cronenberg because he was like, well, people are just going to think she's eating it. Yeah, that's messed up. She came up with the idea to lick the newborn baby, so. I bet when she brought that up to Cronenberg, he was so excited. He was probably like, <laughs> this is the best idea I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> like, it's such a Cronenberg idea for her to act animalistic and, like, clean the the child that it's it's shocking yeah. that it that she came up with it. And, uh, mm-hmm. But he must have been, like, so, so happy when yeah, she did. Because it's very creepy. It's, like, the perfect button for that horrifying effect. Like, it works so well. How late into the movie is it that we actually see her in her full splendor? Like, last yes, five? Last yes, ten? Like, towards yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah. 
Like, as late into the film as it took us to see Mr. Boogity. <sighs> Blake, you said you'd never talk about it again. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's following a trend of, of late-stage yeah. reveals. I want you to visit an Oliver Reed-type psychologist who will <laughs> interact with you using psychoplasmosis, and then a giant... A uh, welt will form on your shoulder, and it'll expel a disgusting VHS tape of Mr. Boogity, and then you can just fling it over a rainbow. And I never want <laughs> you to talk about that movie again. Expel it from your body. Or just kill yourself. One of the <laughs> I'll wrap it in a little windbreaker and send it out into the world. I'm gonna wrap no. you in a windbreaker. <laughs> send you out into the world. Why, why were all of the brood wearing windbreakers? Because it's cold in Canada, man. Next and the little question. girl was wearing windbreakers. <laughs> kind of like yeah. manifested them to kind of look like her. Yeah, exactly. I think it's supposed to look okay. similar to her. Especially when we don't really get a good look at them at the beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. And like they all yeah. had like her little bang. They all had like... They were just very ugly versions of her. Yeah. All right. I, it, it took... Okay, uh, that... Makes sense. For me, it took away a little bit of the tear, because it, it looked like the gremlins were shopping at Zeller's, <laughs> but... Uh, now I know what to buy you for Christmas, Zeller. A Zeller's franchise? I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna buy him yeah. a nice windbreaker. Oh, yeah. That's, what, that's why he's complaining so much. Yeah. Why do these kids have a windbreaker and I don't? <laughs> I, don't get them. I gotta break the wind by hand. <laughs> gotta karate chop my way down the street. Um... I liked at the end when Oliver Reed was shooting all those children. <laughs> like, I love the one he's... that flew to the wall. <laughs> like... Yeah. He, even as he's being attacked by the brood, he's like, no. And he starts like yeah. just blowing them away. And it's yeah. like full on glory shots of like kids' chests exploding. Yes. I don't think you could put that in a movie today. There's a lot of shit in this you can put in. And yeah, namely the children getting blown away. <laughs> yeah. There was supposed to be a remake of this. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. They, and like, oh, God. Who was it by? Corey. Well, what was the, uh, what was the David Cronenberg that just got a remake? Was it Scanners? No, no but they've been talking about that. <laughs> I actually feel like Scanners might make a decent remake because I feel like the main dude in Scanners is not very good. <laughs> but I mean... Is it also, like the the main the main scanner or the other guy? Because the other no, guy not, was terrible. Which other guy? Like not the one that like blew the guy's head off in that famous scene. The other. Oh guy yeah, not was, Mike. Michael Ironside is the bald guy who's awesome who tried to drill his head. Yeah, that no, guy? that not that guy. The other guy. The other guy. Was yeah, just the other terrible. guy. Yeah, I like Michael Ironside. The other guy, I did not care for. But I mean, it's, oh, um, it's still a Cronenberg. Scan Scanners was announced to be in development as a television series in September 2017. By what, what, like, television Who's network? anybody interesting doing it? Or? Yeah. Um, let me just, I was just, I just went to the Wikipedia quick because I did remember seeing something about this. Media Res and Braun Studios. But any, birth, mm -hmm. is there, like, a creative force behind it? Any human? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> So just a couple of robots <laughs> just pumping out scans. No, I'm, I'm seeing ex I'm seeing executive producers right now. Yeah, what are some are any of them yes. people? Um, Aaron L. Gilbert, Danielle Reardon, okay, Clark Peterson. So no, no. Yeah, no one, no one that I'm I'm not like Ridley Scott up in here. All right. Well, well I bet that'll be bad. But I, I feel like <laughs> it's a concept that could have a good movie remake could have been made of it. But maybe not. I mean, because Cronenberg, the reason he got away with doing movies that he did is because, um, I don't know, he's such a strong, powerful voice. I feel like if they made the remake now, it would just be some, you know, horror director who has a movie or two under his belt that, like, a studio is just like, here, tackle a Scanners remake and we'll do the final cut and it'll be lifeless. <laughs> yeah. But. Know what movie I would make a good remake? Existence. No, not a good yeah. remake, but like a good television series. TV show, yes, you're right, it would. Like, I think that would be so... And bring back Jude Law, because I think that would just be interesting. The young pope in existence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the young pope is in existence. Maybe. That would explain um, literally nothing. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. But maybe. That would be crazy, though, if in the final episode of The Young Pope, 
he just like he just pulls out like a flesh <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he like puts together a bunch of like uh uh chicken bones and creates a, yeah. a god yeah i feel like what other cronenberg movie i don't know they're also like perfect basically yeah. maybe rabid um rabid i feel like you'd have to put on cinemax and then just leave that alone over there it is sort of soft core. <laughs> it's kind of soft core. I was gonna say Shivers could, but it kind of has like literally like Slither is almost a Shivers remake, right? Like yeah. yeah. So Videodrome, I really feel like you couldn't because no. it's so set in that time period of like you know like bootleg cable channels and stuff like that. That's the thing. So many of his movies are of their time, but in a timeless way. They're like. They're they're very they're time capsules. Yeah, that what makes the movie special is how how it's filmed, where it's filmed, and when it's filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why Cronenberg has these different phases that he sort of goes through and has went through is because he he evolves and doesn't just do the same thing over and over again. So it's it's hard to replicate what he has done, right? Yeah. I feel like Cosmopolis would be a good television show, just because it of the fact be. that it, it has so many different characters, so many different paths to go down. Just do that. Man, see, that's what's so great about Cronenberg. Like, all the movies we've mentioned, like Cosmopolis, Existence, Dead Ringers, The Fly, uh, all these movies I want to, like, rewatch now, because <laughs> just because we've been talking about them. God, do I have Dead Ringers? I should buy Dead Ringers on DVD and everybody look at me like, what the fuck is with you. Yeah, get the one with the 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 one the cover with the fucked up uh tools that he got custom made. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, they're so weird and cool and I kind of want them and never to use them cuz that's weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, never to use them. <laughs> that's the whole point. Do not use those. Ninja. That's Cronenberg <laughs> for you maybe. Wait, Billy, have you ever seen Dead Ringers? I might have. I need to let me. It's about two twin gynecologists um, doing stuff with mutant vaginas. No, I don't okay. think I've seen that. We're gonna watch uh, Jeremy it. Irons won. Um, uh, no, sorry, plays the gynecologist, and he should have won the Oscar for it. He won it the next year, and he specifically thanked Cronenberg in his acceptance speech because uh, a lot of people felt it was very much making up for him not winning for Dead Ringers. <laughs> Nice. And Jeremy Irons must have believed that because he, he thanked Cronenberg in the speech. He's, he's amazing in it. He's very, very good. All right. I will not watch it so that you can show it to me sometime. Perfect. So we've given you a, a solid list of movies not to watch. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, Billy. Yep. Uh, did you like this film? Did you like The Brood? <laughs> I liked Oliver Reed a lot. Yeah. You could just say no, Billy. And it's fine. I, I like the performances. No, I, <laughs> just uh, kidding. no, I'm I'm telling you what I did like first. I, I liked Oliver Reed a lot. I thought the certain elements of the pacing of it were a little too seventies for my own tastes, mm-hmm. and and the the fact that it was made of David Cronenberg going through his divorce kind kind of tainted my reading of it a little bit. Um. Oh, overall, like it's like yeah, is it worthy of being in the David Cronenberg canon? Absolutely. Is it my favorite Cronenberg movie? No, not by a long shot. What about you, Michael? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, and I'm glad I finally watched it and sort of got over my apprehension. Um, because I think of his early work, like, uh, I don't have his filmography in front of me, but maybe pre-Videodrome sort of stuff, or pre-when he goes full body horror. (laughs) This is probably, like, my favorite early Cronenberg film now. Like, if you compare it with Rabbit and Shivers and, um, I don't know, what's the one that comes after? Although, does Dead Zone came af- out after this? And Dead Zone rules, so I love that. <laughs> so maybe just of his first, like, three big movies, it's my favorite. I-, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think it's just a little bit too early for me. Like, it's it's not in that sweet spot yet. Well, you could have you could have waited and watched it a little later in the day. <laughs> um, like, no, I know prefer, what you mean. Would you prefer, like... Fly down or like dead zone down or yeah oh like i love the fly i love videodrome i, I love that oh, okay. block 
this is like if 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 you cut them up into sections, which Cronenberg would love. But uh, it, I think this is my favorite of his earlier stuff, and then The Fly would be my favorite of his middle stuff, and then Dead Ringers of like his '90s stuff, and then A History of Violence. Like every sort of five to ten years, he puts out a movie that's like perfect. <laughs> and I don't know, and I agree in that I I don't I wouldn't maybe call this movie perfect. Um, but that's only because I'm comparing it against movies like The Fly, Dead Ringers, and A History of Violence, which mm-hmm. are literally perfect movies. So, but I think it, I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of his best. And you, Incha? Yeah. Did you like it, or are you just laughing at us as we watched it? A little bit of both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love I love this movie. I mean, like I I I do agree. Like I don't think like I think it's his. I think it's one of his best. Besides rabbit because i love rabbit so much but um i think it's one of his like best um early movies and then once you get to scanners down they all just become super classic so i think like this movie is just like that teeter-totter of oh shit i know what i'm doing now and kind of going with it and i yeah 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 like it's like you and you can kind of see it in his filmography too like it's kind of like after Shivers and Rapid and Fast Company, he kind of was like, okay, this is going somewhere. I think I could do this. And then, like, with The Brood, it's kind of just like, all right, I know what I want to do now. And then yeah. he kind of just goes for it. And mm-hmm. it's it is awesome. This might just be maybe his first, um, I would say great movie, but if not great, at least his first sort of holy Cronenberg movie. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really, because, I mean, Shivers and Rapid... Uh, really enjoy those films, but they definitely pull from other sources a little more than maybe this one does. Yeah. This one very much seems to have sprung entirely from Cronenberg's mind, and he continued and perfected that trend. I wonder if he, like, looks at his kid every day and he's like, I'm so sorry. You think his, you think his kid still lives with him? You think? I hope so. <laughs> maybe. Now he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just never gonna let you out of my sight. Stay here. You... Do you have welts Stay on you? Me. Are you okay? <laughs> Come, climb into my, the safety of my external womb. <laughs> I will give you ice cream and love. And, and windbreakers. <laughs> Who the fuck just made that noise? Billy did. <laughs> That's so normal. Uh, no. <laughs>